Okay, we want to finish today uh, talking on this series that we've been speaking about um, called The Will of God. And we've looked at choosing the will of God, walking in the will of God, and knowing the will of God. And today I want to underline a little bit about how we all have a choice when it comes to God's will, of whether we choose his will or whether we choose what we'd prefer, our will. And that's a constant, isn't it? So over the last couple of weeks, if you've not been around the last couple of weeks, the good news is that you can catch up on all of this on um, the media channels, on our Facebook and on the, the website. So it's all there to, if you missed one of the, the three parts. But we talked about knowing the will of God. And first we start with knowing, then we start with walking in. You can't walk in something that you don't know about. And so we were looking at how the Bible reveals the word of God to us. A lot of times Christians could say, we just don't know the will of God. And for specific things that may happen in their life, yeah, maybe. But for most of what happens in our life, God has already revealed his will in the word of God. That as we read scripture, we constantly learn the will of God, the ways of God for our life. And then we looked at the four P words. Everybody remember the four P words? We looked at the prescriptive will of God. I'm not even going to begin to try and recap on this. The prescriptive will of God, the prohibitive will of God. That's when the Bible says that God would have us to do this or not to have us to do this. And then last week we looked at, boy, when you take a trip to um, Poland over four days, suddenly last week seems like six years ago, doesn't it? Um, We looked at the perfect and the permissive will of God. There's things that God permits for us to do and there's also the perfect will of God the things that he really desires that we would experience and live like and we encouraged our hearts last week to not settle for the boundary lines of what's permissive or what's permitted or what God allows but rather to be hungry and ready to submit to what is his perfect will for situations and things that we face that we don't want to live a life where we're getting away with things. Rather, we want to live a life saying, God, I can live this way, and you've shown in your word you're good with that, but also you have a personal will for me. You have personal plans for me. I want to know your perfect will of God for me and my family. And that's where we kind of finished off last week. We've been looking at this key verse in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Our lives now belong to him. This is your true and proper worship. No longer be conformed to the pattern, the system, the the will of this world, rather now be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the word of God be coming into your thinking and into your heart, challenging some of the ways of the world that you've been raised in. Then make the choice to always go God's way. And then it says, if we live knowing that our lives now belong to him, if we live saying, God, I don't want to just live like other people who don't know you live. The Bible then says at that point, it will be easy for us to be able to test and approve or know what God's will is. Not just his will, but his good, pleasing and perfect will for our lives. So we've looked a lot at the word choice. Last week we spoke about that throughout the Bible, you often see moments where God stepped into someone's world and said, hey, the way that you're living is really good. 
um, it's all okay. Or you can step into my plan for your life. Or you can handle this situation this way. And that's a lot about the life we live. There's certain things I think, I was thinking about this this morning, that are excluded. Like somebody would, would maybe say, well, I choose not to forgive, thinking that that's the permissive will of God. That would be ridiculous. It isn't the perfect or the permissive will of God to not forgive. The Bible says forgiveness is not an option. So you can't say, well, I'm just going to live. No, no. Forgiveness is one of those things. But it's not just his perfect will. It's his way of doing life. Don't carry unforgiveness in your life. But there's many other things that we could say, no, God's good with this. God's good with this. I'm not living in a way that's anti-God. Or you can choose and make a choice. God, I don't want to settle for what I get away with, that which you allow. I want to know. You know, one of the things that really hit me when I was walking around Auschwitz, they reckoned 1.6 million, but a lot of people reckon it was closer to 5 million, the ones that weren't recorded. Men, women, children, babies. And when I walked around and I saw those faces, I suddenly thought every one of those people had a purpose. Their purpose was stolen. Their right to discover why they were on the earth was stolen. But we need to understand that each and every one of us are not here by mistake. And we could cruise through life living within the boundaries of what's permissive. Or there's a better option. God, what's your will for me? What's your will for me to handle this situation I'm going through? And I just really believe that, you know, there's greater blessing on that which God says, this is my perfect for you. Now, C.S. Lewis, who was obviously the great writer of The Lion, The Witch in the Wardrobe, and The uh, Chronicles of Narnia, he had a really good quote, and he, he put it this way. Every prayer in the universe falls into just two categories. Your will be done, or my will be done. And that's a really good quote, isn't it? C.S. Lewis says, you know, everything, every prayer in the universe comes down to these two things. It's either your will be done, Lord, or it's my will be done, Lord. And I thought that was a very good quote. Now, your will be done, Lord, is a decision, but it's also often a replacement. When you live a life that just doesn't want to say that in a prayer, but wants to live a life that says, Lord, your will be done, that's a decision. Remember, God gave us free will to choose or to do or to, to choose not to. But also, it's for me, when I look at my life, it's most often a replacement. When God begins to show me something in my world where he says there's a better way of doing that, I have to make the decision to go his way. But then normally, it involves a replacement in my life of me no longer doing something, me no longer acting in a certain way, but all I can tell you is every time I've chose what God has wanted for me, it has always been a better road. Now, when we pray, Lord, your will be done, it's got to be more than a prayer. Obviously, Matthew 6, we remember that prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's an easy statement to make. But I really believe that God wants us to make that with a heart feeling. No, God, honestly, not just in the world, in my life, your will be done, your kingdom come. 
Now, when we pray that, what we're saying is it's no longer about what I prefer. It's no longer about what's more comfortable for me. It's no longer about me getting everything. But I choose to pray a prayer that is going to probably cost me. Right? Because a lot of the times when you say, God, your will be done in this situation, you have to give forgiveness. You have to give um, something, time, energy. Well, actually, I just prefer being at home watching at Netflix. And then God touches your heart and says, no, I want you to serve on this team or in this project. And you have a choice. My will is Netflix as a new series. His will, I know in my heart, he wants me involved. And you step out of your will to get involved with what he's asking you. And that has cost you your time. It's cost you your comfort. So I believe living in the perfect will of God is the best life to live. But we've also got to have open eyes. But it will cost you. That whatever God asks you to do, you're normally laying down something that was your will, right? Anybody else experienced that? Now, not my will be done but yours is normally always a personal choice that we make. Um, sometimes it involves others, but normally it's in the audience of one, isn't it? But whenever God's spoken to me about me living in um, his permissive will... And he's challenged me, Andy, I would like you to do this with your life. I'd like you to go and help that person. I'd like you to get involved in this situation. Normally, I've had to, in the loneliness of my prayer room, have a conversation with God. You want to phone a friend. You want to ring the audience. Hey, how many people believe us? But most of the times when you choose the perfect will of God for your life, that which he's designed for you, it's often a conversation that happens on your knees, in the audience of one, in a place where others aren't hearing, but they'll experience the fruit of the choice and the decision you're making. Now, obviously, when we speak about choosing God's will in a lonely place, there is no better example than the Lord Jesus, is there? In that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we can't talk about the perfect will of God and choosing God's will without coming to this moment that's been referred to the passion, where Jesus approached the cross, which was the will of God for the saving of our lives. But in this moment where Jesus enters the garden called Gethsemane, you see this incredible, real struggle within himself. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. He knew that he'd come to earth to die on a cross, a brutal death, so that others could be saved. He had the choice to say no. If you read about it, he spoke to someone in those closing moments and he said, don't think for a moment I can't call a legion of angels. I am still the son of God and I could get out of here. But he knew if he did that, humanity would not be lost, remain lost. And so you have this moment where he's in the upper room with his disciples and he's teaching them about abiding in the vine. He's washing their feet. Incredible moment. And then all of a sudden he says, it's time to go now. And he journeys towards this solitary place called the Garden of Gethsemane. He leaves some of his team behind. Others follow a little bit further until he opens the door or the gate 
to a secret garden where he's in the audience of one and it's in that place he's got to make his choice. Will I choose what's good for me? Or will I choose what could save the world? And I want to read you this passage from the book of Luke chapter 22 as it records it. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. It was a place that he would always go to pray. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you don't fall into temptation because they kept dropping off to sleep. It was an unusual hour. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them just to a place where no one could hear what was being said. There he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, if it's your permissive will, if it's your perfect will, not just your permissive, if you are willing, Father, Please take this cup from me. You see, Jesus wasn't being taken by surprise. He wasn't being hijacked. He knew exactly what was going to happen. I don't know if you've ever been doing DIY and smashed your thumb with a hammer. That's painful, right? But imagine knowing the fullness of the pain of that hammer hitting you before it does. Jesus knew they would put a crown on him and pierce his head. He knew he would be mocked. He would be, be betrayed. He knew that he would be flogged. He knew that he would be nailed to an old cross. He knew, he knew all that was coming because Jesus came in the volume of the book he was fully aware of what the old testament taught about this moment so when he walked into the garden of gethsemane he says i know i I know what needs to happen for me to save the world i i know when i press go when i press go in a few moments with the words i'm going to say i know what's going to happen they're going to pull the beard out of my face they're going to and if there's any way lord if, if father father If there's any way that there's another way of saving the world, please, could you let this cup pass by me? But then he says these words that actually press go. Are you ready? Yet, not my will, but yours be done. The moment he prayed that prayer, the engines of every hellish intent began. The torment, the pain, like waves beating at the side of an ocean um, shore, like uh, uh, on South Sea Seafront, when they pan, all, all of the hatred of the devil, all of the sin of man began to hit him. But you see, he had the choice to say, your will be done or mine. He could have walked away, but for love for us, He said, let your will be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him in that moment. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood, but fell to the ground. This is a moment called, you know, the passion. But this is a moment of Jesus choosing us. Jesus choosing us. Knowing what laid ahead but still looking through the corridor of time. Another scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, living true to the will of God for his life in that moment, he was looking down the corridor of time to a sports hall in Portsmouth and a group of people who had been saved and didn't have to fear death anymore. 
He had a choice. We need to see the importance of that. God could have said, Jesus could have said, I'm out of here. Who needs this? No one's really been friendly to me. I'm just going to go and enjoy my life, get back on the throne. But he just couldn't do that, even though he knew the torment ahead. He chose the Father's will, though it would cost him dearly. His yes to the Father's will would benefit others because the benefit of others was at the heart of it. But he had this secret garden moment. And I want to encourage you that it's often in those private moments of prayer that you hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit asking you, not commanding, asking you to do something that could be something you don't really want to do. Give time, give love, give forgiveness. You'll be blessed if you don't do it. But you'll always live with the consciousness of what could have been if I had. It's not just a moment you see with Jesus, it was his lifestyle. So often we speak about this moment and it's almost like this was the solitary moment when Jesus chose the will of the Father. That would be ridiculous and it would be a disgrace to the New Testament. Jesus lived continually in the Gospels doing what the Father asked him to do. It wasn't just about this moment, though this moment was passionate. It wasn't just about this moment in Gethsemane. Jesus had lived his life 33 years saying, God, not what I want, but what you want. We get a glimpse of this in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 38, where it says, Jesus speaking of himself, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, not to live for me, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my father's will, what's the will of God, Andy? My father's will is that everyone who looks to the son, Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. As I've been resurrected, so will they be because of their faith in me. You see, Jesus said, I, I'm not here to do what I want. I'm here to do what the Father says to do. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to live my way. I'm here to live the Father's way. And many times throughout the Gospels, you hear Jesus say to people, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, I only, I only when, when, when Dad says do this, that's what I do. I have things that I would like to do, but they're secondary to living true to the will of my father. Now that we're a part of a family, God, I think that should be a trait in us, isn't it? As we're walking closer with the Lord, that should be more and more, not less and less in our lives. You know, when we first start walking with God, maybe there's a huge percentage that it's our will, not his. But if you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, that really should have changed, hey? That really should have shifted that it's more about his will, what he wants, than what we want. But that's the journey of being a disciple. The Apostle Paul lived the same way as well. Do you know that there's a passage of scripture that I'll read to you where the Apostle Paul basically says, I don't want to be here. I've seen Jesus. I know the heaven that awaits. But for your benefit, I'll stay. 
Now that's shocking because we love life because we don't understand heaven. But Paul didn't have a wife. He didn't have a family. Um, he'd gone through so many beatings, shipwrecked. Every time he preached, somebody was throwing something at him, beating him, imprisoning him. In our context of being Christians, the nice, polite, easy life of being a Christian, it was very different to his. And when he looked at life, he said, every day I get beaten, mocked, I get caught. He said, I would rather be with Jesus. Let me read you these verses, Philippians 1.21. For to me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, this is win-win. If I stay, I win. If I die, I win. If I, am going, uh, if I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I, me, I desire to depart and be with Jesus, which is better by far, but it is more necessarily for you that I remain here in my body. You've got to understand, he didn't see heaven as a lesser deal. He saw it as the main book, and this just merely the index. That If this took seven days, and Jesus has been away for 2,000 years preparing a house for us, a place for us, what is heaven going to be like? He said, listen, me going to heaven and being with Jesus isn't a lose, it's an incredible win. Yet, I know my time hasn't come and God has left me on the planet, but I'm not here to do what I want. I'm here, like the Jesus that I follow, to do what the Father wants me to do. This is a little bit, I think, of a family characteristic to the people of God. Now, isn't it amazing when you meet certain different families, you know they're a part of one family. Certain characteristics. It's like if you meet an Elms, if you meet me and my dad, you're like, yeah, they're, they're both Elmses, definitely, right? If, how many people have met my wonderful dad? Yeah, yeah. You spend any time with us, you know. Or if you meet um, somebody with uh, the bloodline of pain, it's not long before, you know, that's the key pit. You know, there's many families that we could grab, you know. I really believe that one of the characteristics of the people that God calls his family is that there are people who love and desire the will of God. You say, well, where, where's that in the Bible? Well, thank you for asking. It's in Mark chapter 3, verses 33. And this is a moment where Jesus is sitting in a room, right? Context, he's sitting in a room, and he's with some of his followers, and they're reading the Bible. So this must mean that reading the Bible is the will of God for your life as well. Let me just throw that in there. And all of a sudden, somebody comes to Jesus, and he's sitting there. They're gathered around the scriptures, and he's just teaching, this is what the Father meant. This is how God wants us to live. This is how my Heavenly Father wants. And all of a sudden, somebody taps him on the shoulder and says, your mum's here. Your mum, your mum. Jesus, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, your mum. Your mum. Your brothers. One of words. And you expect Jesus, you know, to go, all right, guys, just wait a little moment. Just got to go see my mum for a few minutes, all right? Just got to see my brothers. Just hang on, I'll be back. Mum, what do you want, mum? I'm, I'm a bit busy, mum. Now, mum had come because they'd been watching Jesus and they'd been going, 
He is living at a pace that's not good. He's not eating. He's just going full on. He knew his time had come. There wasn't time to rest. And the family had been watching Jesus going at this rate. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach. Because he knew he was going towards the cross. Now, as a mum and as brothers, they were like, we're concerned for Jesus. We need to get him away. Give him some time out. Take him to McDonald's or McDavid's. It would have been in that place. We've got to take him to McDavid's. And and so they come and say, can you tell Jesus we want to meet with him? Listen to his response, right? Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Isn't that amazing? But Jesus actually knew he had a natural family. He wasn't unaware. But his real family was those that were living for the will of God. You know, I'm so thankful that I've been able to have a mum and a dad and a brother that were my natural family, but they were also people that loved God too. So that they've been able to be my natural mum and dad, but also my spiritual friends and brothers and sisters. Okay, what do we get from this? Living for God's perfect will actually catches the attention of God as you being a part of his family. Who are those who are my brothers and my sisters and my mother, my father? Those who love and live for the will of God. Well, what about those who just live within the boundary lines of what's permissive and live to get away with things? Well, God's still totally in love with you. You'll still be blessed, but you'll just never know the blessing of God that comes on a person's life when they choose to pray that prayer, even though it's hard, difficult, involves forgiveness, is going to cost you that prayer that happens in a lonely place. God, I, I know you're not angry with me and you're giving me a choice here. God, I choose to say your will, your way be done in me and in this moment as it is in heaven. Those are people who will change the world. Those are people that won't just hold the fort till Jesus comes. They'll turn the world upside down. Why? Because the Father's will is to turn the world upside down, to see the world saved one life at a time. So I hope that the last three weeks has helped you to understand this subject about the will of God because many Christians don't know what is the will of God? But we've had a good time the last three weeks, hey, looking at the revealed will of God, the unrevealed will of God, the permissive, the perfect. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. But I want us to finish today by praying a very, very apt prayer from Matthew 6. But I don't want to pray it so much as an us, but as an I. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your choice is. I don't know what the Father is speaking to you concerning 
going your way or his will. I only know my life. I only know the challenges he's giving me and my family. But all of us are left with the same choice. Will we choose that which he allows, which is good? Or will we say, no, I've got one life to live and I'm going to live it full on. God, I'll do what you ask me to do. Let your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Can we pray that together today? I'll just lead you in a prayer. Just say after me, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your perfect will be done on earth and in me as it is in heaven. Amen. Father, we thank you today that your will is the best life yet. Though challenging, uncomfortable, it causes us to live the life you intended for us to know. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just bring us all to a moment of a secret garden and talk honestly about our choices and help us to see your perfect good way for our lives that we could have the choice to say yes.